0: Please note, this episode contains some strong language and references mental health issues. Please see the show notes for helpful links. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy, and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, Forward thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom, and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So, on to today's episode. How are you? Are your minds especially blown? I'm going to Um, to jump on. My name is Kennedy. I have a podcast called The Bra the Brave, and I've been kindly tasked with the job of interviewing Extraordinary humans. So please give it up for Ranky and Columbus.
1: Hello. Hello again. <laughs> I bet you know this is
0: a good idea, you know, you're like, if we just sit
1: down <laughs> <laughs> Me and tell them? questions. Differentiation. <laughs> what <laughs> 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 they absolutely no last questions for me, I can assure
0: you. Hey, just to give you a bit of background, I have interviewed both Ryan and Colin. Uh, with, when we met here at, well, when it was Wells Caderie performing here. So uh, um, we have had this chat before, but I'm really interested like a couple of years on to, to hear um, in terms of the, the Kind of
2: scope of your journey so far, uh, and obviously, kind of COVID and stuff. So, um, first of all, my first question would be um, why magic? <laughs> <laughs> just shaved the mask. <laughs> no, I, when I was uh, younger, I was a really interested in magic. I was a sports guy, I a lot of music, and I went on holiday to Greece and I met a, a kind of retired con man who taught me the work of a okay. car hustle. I was drunk and I remember it and it was the next day I kinda of met at the bar and try to kinda of work it out. And then I came home and I would show people and they would say do you want anything else? And I'd be like, No. <laughs> and then I started to learn more, little more because like handful kind of cheap cards and you have calling muscles and just as, a, as an interest and it became like a real fascination and then I kind of crossed over uh, into kind of you know, cards, magic and the fixed things and so I kinda started doing bits and pieces kind of socially and then just kind of go out and getting bookings, and then yes we're the year you guys think so. But, yeah, it's just used to be one of those kind of things that kinda grew organically and uh, it became an absolute passion, and it then uh, kinda transferred into doing public shows and had lots of success doing that as well.
1: So yeah, it's been good we do each other. Yeah, I I, I wasn't really into magic. I remember getting a magic set when I was younger for Christmas and my cousin Karen. She learned all the tricks first and did them for the family. Classic Karen move there. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, and it just kind of put me off wanting to, to do it. But uh, I loved Sherlock Holmes, all true, as a kid. Uh, I was really into science, then psychology. And then I, I always loved comedy, but I more loved understanding why stuff was funny and dissecting it. So I could watch it and be like watching the fast show, Father Ted, chewing the fat and be like, that's hilarious. Not laughing, but being like, that, that is hilarious. Why is it funny? And just trying to work it all out. And. Um, I was always really nervous and shy, so like you were sporty and I wasn't, yeah, I was the opposite, I was like, you know, just really reserved, I used to, in English, I would always hate it when you would go round the room reading the book, and the teacher would say names and you had to carry on from where the last person, I was shiting myself with that, and I hated it, and then one, I don't know what it was, one day I was doing, like, someone at the lunch table was hiding an object under one of the cups, And I knew we were walking and just the crowd seemed to get bigger and bigger. Watch, and I looked up, and there was like I think you know it felt like two thousand people. It was like twelve folks, right? But the nerves just went away, and I was like, oh, this is actually quite fun, and uh, it's really crazy, you know. I'm I'm, I just I turned thirty six this year. Uh, I know I don't look it, thank you. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it's like that from sitting at that table, being nervous, to now being here, and like every stage I walk on it just feels like you know, you're there with friends having fun and I don't know when the hell that mindset shifted but yeah it was just wanting to really connect with people and magic I always felt like you were hiding behind something whereas the mentalism stuff was like comedy it's just you and people so that's why I was kind of drawn to, to that stuff and that's obviously what I'm doing now. And in terms of
0: inspiration so obviously magic, mentalism becomes a passion of yours, Other particular individuals um, in that sphere as you were going, you know, growing up through finding out this is this is a passion for yourself? Like It was a particular inspiration, so obviously you were seeing comedy and that person that you met on holiday, but are there stars of that film that have been inspirational for you both?
1: I mean, you, you probably won't know the name, it came up earlier, but there's a guy called Darren Brown. And, uh, <laughs> He's he's really fucking good, uh, <laughs> annoyingly so. Uh, but uh, I mean, he was he is like the, the godfather of mentalism, right? So growing up in this country doing it, it was always like, oh, if you want to do that, you need to be different. And you know, at the start, you you obviously emulate and copy and stuff. But then it was finding my own ways of doing that. And I was in a, a sketch group Color Hand that some people may have seen or heard of. And of you that's why we're no longer together it's just three, <laughs> three friends um but um but yeah it was like more the comedy aspect and trying to make it feel different and just really pushing it in other directions and um but yeah it was always sherlock holmes then darren just took mentalism that i used to feel used to be like really boring and drawn out and he was just like really revolutionized it and then watching people like shin Lim, who is the, the magician who i perform with in uh in las vegas uh, he won america's got tan twice Greedy as shit, right? But he's <laughs> full pen and teller, like, 25 times. He's won everything, right? He's amazing. But his magic is, like, rapid fire. And it was always like, okay, so mentalism, I want to try and do that and make it fast and do more rather than long, drawn out. But, like, I wanted to try and, you know, inject the energy. So for me, Darren obviously revolutionized it. But the bigger Sherlock as well. But then it's, it's comedy and wanting to make it as funny and amazing. And now, with this new show, it's meaningful uh, and real. And, uh, yeah, as I can. I'll shut up. You <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was never really,
2: when I got into it, I was never really any magic per se as like buying tricks, like and rope and different bits and pieces, of prop magic. It was always any kind of slight hand in car stuff, and then I never really seen that be something you develop and make look like a stage show or a show people would come and see because it's just cars. And then I seen a show where uh, a magician called Ricky J, called Ricky J 52 Assistants, was the name of the show, and it was a guy who'd done, you know, an hour and 20 minutes on stage doing card tricks and tell stories and it was incredible and that made me think well I mean, obviously one you know, of the best that I love but it made me think that well, you couldn't put together uh, you know just a pack of cards on stage and actually draw it out know, and it was long performance and then it was two magicians that have been really inspirational we did a show together in, in America called Del and Henry Gamaris and again it was a post up card magic show that just became a massive, massive hit. Played in LA and played in off Broadway in, in New York. I mean, success was That kind of set of magic we really appreciated. We kind of feel like maybe we wouldn't do prop magic on stage, but could you transfer that kind of close-up magic to stage? So that was always the, kind of big driver for me. And I guess the question that you asked was, how how do you do that? How I'm um, not going to answer that. What I'm going to ask you though is, I'm interested, in like the
0: creative process, like the thought process behind producing what you just said on stage here because it's not you know it's not just thinking about the big picture of I'm gonna be put on a show, it's like all the individual tricks for want for a better word, but then how they all talk to each other and how they all get to you know a climax or a point of like, well I want that to happen and that needs to happen, and that needs to link in. Like I can imagine the creative process is quite convoluted and and probably different ways for you both because it's that authenticity it's artists as artists is really you
2: would not know, be gorgeous, take percent before you want to make it yours. Mm-hmm. For me, it's maybe slightly different than most people, where I can't be just loads of ideas and just take loads of notes, I don't even think about how to do it, I'm just thinking, what would be a cool concept, what would play well on a, depending on the kind of size of the room or the style shown, people have seen me before, more kind of prominently is, you know, 20 people in a room around a table, really intimate, really kind of immersive, so it's trying to write and create material for that type of environment, which is which is great, there's a of challenges well to challenge that as well, because people are so close up and they can scrutinise and they can move. But I think it's like everything else, it's, it's, you have the, how you think it will work in theory in the output, go, <coughs> you know, and then you and go, And then just kind know, of go back and I, I think, one of the things I've learned to comment over the years of working with is that, you know, a routine or an effect is never done, you're always improving it. And for me, you know, that I run of shows, in Glasgow, a residency I had a couple of years ago, it was like sixty-nine shows we'd done, <laughs> and it wasn't sufficient. And then, uh, even after the last night, I was still going to take notes. And I think it was that creative process of being aware of how things were played at the time, and constantly looking at, back and reviewing what you're doing. And yeah. sometimes things happen in the moment, and you go, "Why haven't I never thought of that?" You know, and it's just happens organically. I think. You we know, were doing a work in progress. Now we've done this show twice. <laughs> twice. You know, like miles away from being, you know, the, the kind of finished article we both want to see. So it's that's the exciting part for us. I think is that process you go through to get it to where you want. Yeah. so uh,
1: <laughs> I yeah. I think when I'm creating, like early on, it was like I wanted to do stuff that you know tricks that I come up with and stuff I love. I'm like, okay, I just want to show off and be like. The, and now uh, every time I've done Edinburgh, I've tried to have a, a, an ending where you know, if I want things to be happening like outside the room, and, and it just shows always feeling different, being different, and and then I realised like I just still felt like looking during COVID it felt like looking back, every show was about me showing off, and I'm like, how how can it mean something different? And then I realised I'm you know, so Ryan said this is the second time I've done this. The first time I did it, it was. 80% different material and tricks, so that I, tonight is really the first time I've done loads of this, and you know, you said about taking notes and stuff, and uh, I I go away from every show, even if it's stuff I've done a hundred times, trying to improve it, but like, even tonight, so you guys, I don't wanna walk out on stage and go, by the way, everything I'm doing tonight is the first time ever, because then you guys go this, what is this shit we're gonna, you know, I wanna, I wanna give it a chance, but everything you saw tonight, more or less, was either rewritten from last time or brand new, so like, I'll go away from tonight and be like, right. I have loads of work to do on this and that and that, and because I just, I know what I want it to be, and I and I can feel when it's there, when it's not there. And this show, I really, really wanted to turn the tables and be like, listen. I always reveal other people's secrets, but I want to tell you that during COVID, you know, even though from the outside on social media we make things look shiny and fun all the time, actually, you know, I went through this really fucking horrible shit that. I used to, because I worked at a company called Tree of Knowledge for years, which is a motivation training uh, organization in Scotland, and we looked at stress, but I never felt stress, and I would talk to people about it, always thinking, ah, yeah, but like, how bad is it really? Because I never really understood it, and then I went through it, and it was fucking horrendous. Like, I, everything I said was true, and yeah, I, I really never want anyone else to go through that. So like, I kind of feel like you've got this platform where you can be... If people want to come out for a night and just be entertained, I want to try and pick that box, you know, a million times. But also if in that hour together, I can give something else that positively impacts someone, or directly, or someone to then help a friend or a family. Like I, I'm like, fuck, having gone through that, it's really now close to my heart, and I want to share that and try my best to you know, put that out into the world and, and use my platform more efficiently and effectively. Like I used to want to try and be I think as a kid, you, you know, you want to try and be famous doing this stuff. And now I realise I want to try and be respected doing this stuff. And I think that comes from like the impact and being able to share it positively. I love that. process is you, Thank you. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, says, get it to a
2: certain point you get in front of an audience and then you've got people that you trust, friends, magicians, come and go, that's great, but if you about doing this, this, that. You know, we call it notes, you give each other notes. And just getting that fresh perspective for somebody else. I am not actually come up to you and tell me how good or bad it was in 10 minutes But when somebody comes up and says, what have you done at the start? Or, you know, they give you a wee tip or a re idea and something like that just about something else. So there's only maybe a handful of you know, magicians and creative people that are quoted for a little bit of advice. What do you think of this? Or, Show people things and just getting that kind of second eye on it's um, a great part of the process. When you're with people really that you trust, sometimes that just sparks something to what seems like a stupid idea, you might just go, I've been that. Well, sometimes you're too close to something yeah. you got to not see it, to step back from it. And that's what I was going to ask you about your relationship with friends. Like you have obviously known each other for a long time. You alluded to the fact that you know, Ryan's been involved in you know, the decision making
0: of your shows. Yeah. You. Um, how did you meet him? Grinding. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Plus, Japanese food and I was like, fucking, well, sweet, That's who I was getting divorced to. Uh, right. yeah. I don't know how we met. Ma- I mean, I think, oh, no, I remember, because, it, it's hilarious, because Wild Cabaret opened, and they hired a magician, and I was like, oh, what's this new venue in Glasgow? And who's this magician that I've never heard of? And you know all these RC photos of you lying on, like, a train track and stuff, and I was like, this... Actually, it looks fucking cool. Shit, I've got competition. Uh, and, I re- and I didn't get a chance to see you, but then, uh, but then you moved on because you are your other resident, and he brought me in as your replacement. And, I was, and everyone would go, "Oh, Ryan would do this, and Ryan would do that." And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck Ryan." Uh, and then, and then uh, I don't remember where we met up, but I mean, if
2: connected online, and then you can to see one of the shows that I'd done, um, it's we can basically. <coughs> Most people would talk to him as being so we hire this. Some of my team hired a space and basically built a theatre, a show called An Honest Deception, and we built this you kind know, of mini theatre in Glasgow. And um, so it was all really, quick and fun and came along with a couple of friends, and i um, some we of the kind of creative team you're walking with at the time. And um, I tried to change something in the show, thinking, so fuck, there's a magician's in there, change something, see so if I can fool them, because they knew I was going, I made an asset, and I kind of impacted the next thing, which impacted the next thing. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, we were like, I fucking thought, she was never an old one. And then yeah, I think once we started kinda of, maybe up and again, get a bit of and coffee, and I think once we started chatting about that kind of creative process and stuff we realised well kind of, the way we approach it was probably pretty similar and our ethics around how we think magic should be performed and the, the kind of ethos of the original and the written material from people and yeah, I think we just kinda of, hit it off right away and then we'll work quite right
1: Yeah. I mean, every, like when someone had the photo of Darren Brown, and like we see Ryan's in the photo with Darren, like every, like we, we've we hung out with so many good in the photo, you mean. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry, my <laughs> bad. Yeah. Uh, but like every, every major thing I've been lucky enough to do, like in this country, you've been there, like the Royal Variety, Ryan, remember because. Prince William and Kate came to meet us at the end and they walked right past you and kind of looked at you as if to go, Are you our escort or what are you? Uh? And <laughs> <laughs> the way I told the story was like, I, I could have
2: slapped him. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> not, not he could have said hello or shook his hand, I could have fucking slapped him. <laughs> That's uh, the. <absolutely. laughs> you only were when we were in the
2: backstage, but you now. Prince William and Kate were coming up to the stage to, to go in and I knew that was going to happen, I thought, I'm going to just hang about. out and they said, you don't have to be here, please move on, please move on I thought, well, I'm just going to hold it, I need to fucking be here it <laughs> looked quite important and they just let me. me, really, no security or anything and I thought,
1: you've said some class
0: meeting in there
1: so I've stopped taking Ryan places <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's fucking patting me have to take me with <laughs> out
2: back <laughs> Yeah. I forgot the question but oh,
0: okay. yeah, <laughs>
1: yes, yes,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, I'm also interested in terms of so there's so many elements at play because you know the, the logistical part of the lo- and logic applying logic to everything you do. Then there's the creativity element of it, but then there's the performative element that you've got to put it in front of a crowd, and you know it's choreography and language and how you address a crowd. And we're not even getting onto the fact that like, you're doing this in different spaces with different types of audience. How do how do you make a show or even like one trick work in a variety of spaces? Yeah, I mean like tonight,
1: and I mean this. I, I, listen, the fact that you come and watch this and give not just <coughs> thank your buying ticket, but like the give, giving of your time to be here, that is like the most valuable thing you have. And that's I think as creative people, that's the thing we you really value the most is that you've given up your time to be here. You got babysitters, you got on the train, the bus, the car, you came here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But. It is this real fear of like when you get out there, what is it going to end up being like? And like tonight, I know, slash, hope this is the worst. I mean, this for like the greatest respect to all of you. This is the worst version of that, that show that I'll ever do, right? Because I will go away from tonight and go, right, a microphone fell off a table and hit that speaker at that point. I shouldn't have done that. Like, I know better. Like, every moment will play back in my mind and I want to make it better and fix it and constantly like when you do a new show this is the hard maybe not the worst show, it's the hardest show because i'm thinking about the lines the movement the people the everything's going on in my brain like if you come and see me at the show in vegas that stuff i've done a million times and that i'm pressing play on the tricks so that i can be present in the moment and then really connect with people whereas tonight my brain's still going right what was the line there what was the? oh you missed that joke chicken you no, you move on right Music, I've got like a list of music tracks here. And at one point, there's is not disrespect, but people were standing in front of my, my music machine is up there uh, and I'm like, i can't, can't see the number. And I press the and I'm, right. So in my head, it's just carnage uh, tonight. And the more you do it, the more that levels out and you get the muscle memory for things. So truly, thank you for coming to see this show. Like, seriously, thank you, thank you, thank you. But like, these are the most valuable events we do because I'll go away from this with that footage and I'll send it to my, my team. You'll watch it with me and we'll just pick it apart and without you guys being here, we, we couldn't have done that. For me, the the, kind of, the most frequent kind of performance space is that
2: close-up space So, the 20 people there. And when you're considering how close people are and how immersive you want that to feel for me, it's always like trying to make them forget that a magic show, and that they're, they're immersed in the moment and they're not like switching off to you know, get a drink or look through the phone or whatever, which is really easier to do, a kind of big like, like theater space. And, um, Go through that creative process and get to a point where you take it. I walked to a director a couple of years ago, well, about ten years ago, on a show, and I thought he's just like, "It's great, it's great, it's great, it's great." And he started talking about blocking and use of space and timing and you know when to put scripting in and when to kind of break the moment. And I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? It, like, look how good that trick is." <laughs> and when I walked to him, like he knew nothing about magic, and he was able to kind of put that independent eye on it and say, "Well, no, I think you should do this." And what were we having for? couple of months vastly improved how I approach that kind of process and I think when you go through the development of a show when it gets to that first open night we we'll normally do some kind of preview nights but it's difficult for a musician to find somewhere to be shit before it gets good so sometimes it take that four, five, six shows to get the rhythm to go actually if they stand there like this space and turn it. you just get into that kind of rhythm And you find that nat- for me I find it naturally kind of organically as I go through the process and I do the same with scripts, and I don't write a script So my shows. I have an idea of what I want to say, and then I, I go out and I kind of improvise a little bit, and then I start to write off the back of the improvisation. And I have my script, but it builds from that kind of improv being in the moment and understanding what the kind of thematic elements of the show are going to be. And I have an idea of what I want to say, and maybe I have the bones of it. And I learned recently that was how uh, Ben Affleck works, when they direct films, and write films. They, they go in and improvise the scenes, and okay. then they write the kind of script off the back of that, so I thought. It's good enough for Venice, it, 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 it takes it takes time, you know, it takes a long a long time to get through that process and sometimes depending on you know, what you're doing, you don't get that. You've got to try and
0: get it as close to perfect as possible. Well I think is you know, most impressive I mean else is so impressive about you both is that the, the kind of interaction throughout your show, whatever it is with the audience and that they are a vital part of it. So it is that experiential Element of it, it's not just like we're sitting watching you do tricks, magic. And um, but humans don't like to behave. <laughs> so how do you handle people who are not listening, uh, haven't heard you correctly, uh, just don't do what they're told? Like that's an art in itself to keep everything ticking along.
1: Okay. <laughs> you might remember I, I did brandish a blade at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> well, I, I think is a
2: magician
1: people
2: Sometimes people can see it as a challenge. if you present yourself in that kind of aggressive way. I think that sort of encourages, you know, heckles. I think if you, if you endear yourself to an audience, it kind of reduces that chance. But I mean, in a wild cabaret when it was just, you know, hen parties and stag do's, in. And it was, you know, it was a wee bit boisterous. And I think the first time I performed here, it was just after the opening night. And we came out and I was like, good evening! And like half the room, I like, still eating. Yeah. And I was just looking at the people's heads. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I think you just get to know that environment. I think you know I've seen a lot of bad things on space, like taking of heckles and I think you just find a way to kind of kind dealing with it and, and knowing that if that first person gets up and you can make an example of it and the wants to get up. But I very rarely get heckled, I think, that creating that environment and reducing the risk of people wanting to take a high and get involved in a negative way. Wanting to be a safe space for everybody and although one of the shows I've done was in that room twenty people. And it was it was a Saturday night, every Saturday night in Glasgow. And then I was telling this part of the show the show's a story about being you nursed know, in the moment and being present and stuff. And this guy said up and Yeah, I, was, I don't know if anybody's seen this, but there was a thing on Facebook today. And it, was, it was an old guy in McDonald's with his grandson. And the wee boy was sitting on his phone and he said, like, You just never know how long we have got left. And my guy i "Look, man, have you fucking seen it on your phone? Did you?"
1: And <laughs> 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 I was like, "You don't do all this stuff together. That is something I've never experienced before." Yeah. I, I I think always when I'm doing stuff, I'm cognizant of the fact that I used to be that really shy, quiet person. And whenever I ask someone in the audience to stand up, come up, take part, you know, I always put, try and put myself in their frame of mind, being like, "What would that?" Uh, if i was still that person how would i feel and you don't know what's gonna even when i go see shows now like Tapeface face is the the worst Sam's like a good friend of mine that plays Tapeface, face but even when he brings you up on stage you don't quite know what he's going to make you do and you're always like oh like you're cringing and i'm so i'm always aware of the fact that people when i bring you up you don't know what's going to happen so i i do want to make you feel safe i want to ultimately my job is to make everybody else feel good want to be part of the show and be you know the stars of the show as well so that everyone that does take part it's as much about them as it is, you know. I think, like I said, I've got rid of that want, that need to show off, and it is now about like how can I, you know, involve other people and make it feel bigger and as much about them as me. And and, and I think I, I want to try and create that space where people, you know, don't want to heckle, but they might want to. Like the other night in in Vegas, there was a woman, and you know, Americans I think are a bit more outgoing than most rich people anyway. But like, there's this thing I do. She had a pencil in her hand, and I do this thing where I sniff a pencil and tell someone what they've eaten that day. And I sniffed the pencil, she looked at me and she went, you don't know where that's been. <laughs> <laughs> and I it got like, that's, and it, everyone laughed, and I'm like, it's great, you got a huge laugh, so I let her get the laugh. I looked at her and I went, yeah, but you don't know where this is going. Uh, <laughs> right, so, I think being able to be present and playful like that and just like, you know, let people have that space where they're comfortable enough to play, not to not to try and challenge you, but to be part of it is a wonderful place to have your material as a magician. Sometimes audience members do things and you go, oh I
2: wish you could just do that every night. <laughs> you know, there was one of the shows I've done there was like a scroll then, there was like a scroll that predicted the show and there was one that would have made a mistake, and then the next one of the scroll says, Oh fucked it, it was a callback. And yeah. somebody shouted it one night and then when I rolled it out, I said, "Fucked it, and everybody like, no way <laughs> and and How do you put that in every night, other than, you know, asking somebody to sit there and just shout at that point. Sometimes you get there and you kind of go home to see audience, you mean, it's a heckle, but it's like a it heckle and you want to try and copy it in I'm sure
0: In terms of what we saw tonight, can you remember the original seed of mm-hmm. an idea of how this grew into the what we just witnessed?
2: what's um, happened? Sometimes I'll just write down, I'll be driving and I'll just like, hey Siri, take a note, you know, and I'm just, nonsense in the world, and then sometimes I'm getting back through and I scroll through stuff and go, what was I talking about, what was that, and then you get one idea, and I always, like can I hashtag my notes when I put them into my Apple notes, so then when I'm thinking of something, i will just set up the hashtag something and then piecing two or three things together that seems like nonsense, but then you start to get something that you can kind of build on, so, I think for me tonight it was just about the structure and trying to get the mechanics right. Mm-hmm. So, you might have done the same, <coughs> doing the same act the last time you we were here. The mechanics behind everything was different, so it looked the same, but it was a completely different way of achieving the kind of goals. So, it's kind of playing a bit of those things. But I think the scene for that sometimes is just a stupid. Or sometimes you watch a film, you see something in a film when you, you see other art. So just something mm-hmm. random kind of sparks an idea. For me, it's always the visual aspect of how is it going to look and then as you progress that it becomes how are people going to feel when they they see it Mm -hmm. how is it going to be engaging, is it the scripting, is it the timing, is it the kind of connection with somebody is it making it a tactile thing where it's about touch, I feel so, it's just playing around with all these things and sometimes you think something's really going to work and then you go on stage and you go, oh no and sometimes it's the audience, you do the same thing, exactly the same once for once in two different audiences, different venues, different days of the week Bit different. So again, it's just that thing of even though you do something, you have that seed which maybe goes into a flower and then it probably dies for a couple of years, and then another idea comes, another seed comes, and you go, actually that's the same as that, and it, it kinda goes again. So get an hour. Hey sorry, you know. There's, there's a great bit though when people come up after the show, they don't go, Oh you were great, they go, Oh the show was great. And you know then that it's resonating somewhere, that they've got what you're trying to do, and you've seen it as like a magic show, they've understood but the concepts here and the show is great, know that you are great. In terms of
0: highlights, as a they might not be the ones that we expect you to see, but for both of you individually, in terms of career highlights on stage, off stage, when you're working on something, when it's on a stage in front of an audience, what would you see as being the most memorable or impactful highlights for you both?
2: Other than tonight, <laughs> I've never had any aspirations to be on tele and be famous. I've been asked to do TV shows and stuff like that. I've just never ever seen myself doing that. I've always had to be making a thing. My thing always to create like a unique show and a unique environment that people come and, again, they're there for the show but because it's me. They, they come in and have a really good experience and, and lose themselves for an hour and a half. And, I tried to set up a residency in Glasgow many, many months ago and it kept kind of falling away. the way he opportunity the, the so June, came up in the Grand Central Hotel and we thought, yeah, let's just go for it and we launched it and announced the date for a full year and then my dad told me, he's like, what are you doing? Can't be worth it for a full year, if you want to sell tickets, so nice so I, said. I was like, oh shit, I never really thought of that and it sold out for the first three or four months and then it got to July and the Tickets and I write up. I was like, Oh God, this could be bad. Something like, pull the show, and then it got to it got to May and it sold it to Christmas, Um, and then we extended it by another six months and sold it at four minutes. And for me, it was people coming to the show in that environment, really feeling something, and you you see people all the time go, Oh, what a magic show! My girlfriend's to me a magic show, and they're going, It's not what they think it's going to be. And by the end they they then even go and buy tickets for their mum for the next show and it's that kinda word of mouth or something that's just completely different to anything else. You know, not like you know, it's not comedy nights that are happening on live music that's on quite a lot. It's something that's quite unique. And I think when that kind of took off, I just had an immense kinda sense of pride that it was a stupid idea, you know, to everybody else, but to me it was that one thing that kinda justified all the tens of thousands of hours of practice and Take decisions, and to take opportunities to go and do TV stuff and else and focus on that. and When it paid off, you know it was ah uh, definitely my greatest and favourite thing of all that. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, uh, I got taking the and he was
0: very sceptical. And apparently, sat with his arms folded the whole time. And by the end of the show, he was just like, that's like it was blown away. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> what about yourself,
1: Colin? I, I mean I think that the my favourite show, uh undoubtedly, I mentioned it already, but is that I got invited to do the Royal Variety performance. I'm the only person who's ever done Britain's Got Talent. I didn't even make it to the live shows and the prize for Britain's Got Talent. Part of it is that you get to do the Royal Variety. I'm the only person who's ever been on Britain's Got Talent, didn't win or get near winning, and still got to do that. So I'm like, it's kinda like I took this I took the not the harder route because it's all a risk, right? And it's all hard work. But I finally, you know, did that. And not only that, it was in the London Palladium, the venue I always wanted to play in. Uh, it was for you know William and Kate, who are like you know as royal family, who like who I think are a bit more on the respected, well-respected side, and you know being aware of their work um, from having done some Prince's Trust stuff. It was like I, I knew, like you know, to meet to meet them was amazing. But also the fact that then my mum and dad got you were you were there because you were helping Ryan like. You know, co- I've got two people that I co-write with. Ryan's one of them. The other is a guy called David Girard in America. Um, and where Ryan the UK has come to, like, Michael McIntyre's big show and all that bad stuff, like, in America, David does that. But the fact that, you know, we got to hang out in London, London Palladium. My mum and dad got to come and got tickets to be there and watch it. And the act on before me, it was the killers playing Mr. Brightside. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, follow that, right? Oh, thanks. Uh... But but that lineup, London Palladium, Killers, is like is your opener. Like it's just like this is what what is my life? I was a 13 year old shy boy from Hart Hill. What the hell's happening? Uh, uh, but, but as far as proudest moments, show, these shows like tonight are some of the hardest shows we do, and I really believe that like leaving tonight, these are the shows that are now the most meaningful for me. The learning I get from tonight, like even though I've been on stage now for 20 years. Everything I learned from you being here and being part of this, like, you guys have no idea how valuable this is. So that, you know, I oh, hope you do see it again. You're like, oh, he did, oh, look at, like, how it's grown. And, you know, these, these nights are like, you know, I, given that every night I get on stage and basically do versions of the same, you know, 40 minutes of material, it changes depending on the people that get picked, but I know the backbone inside out. Tonight is like a risk. And the fact that you guys are here to be the data points on my growth is... The, that's why like nights like tonight are just so important. So like super, super grateful that you're here. In terms of what
0: you would say to your younger self, um, think about what you've achieved today and all the things that you've brought to progression, and all the things that you've experienced.
2: What would you now say to your younger self? I, I'm sure everybody's the same, way. Right? I think if I've learned anything, give back to my younger days to it's always alright You want to do stuff and you go, I It's always alright You always get it there then. Um, and that's always whenever I kinda of worry about stuff, whether it's performing travel, you go and traveling, go to do performances or uh, you know, doing something new for the first time or maybe a big gig a good client, you know. Yeah, I'm a bit nervous, but it's, it's always alright. It's always just walks out in the end. I think we'll agree with Mirman already. Bye and calling this has been an absolute privilege and pleasure. Thank you so much. And, uh,
0: okay, thank you much. Thank you hope you enjoyed today's episode of the brawn the brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration for my wonderful guests
1: bye for now